liming, so applying lime, reducing the age of finishing or age of slaughter, incorporating clover and multi-species into our, our grassland sward so that we can reduce chemical nitrogen use, reducing crude protein in our diets, a change in formulation type, increased grazing or more, more grazed grass in the diet, and the use of LESS. So they're the key technologies that are on the map that are specifically relevant to cattle farms. Hello and welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and this week's episode features Dr Siobhan Kavanagh from the Chagas Signpost Programme, who presented at the Chagas National Beef Conference, examining the main drivers of greenhouse gases on beef farms and the steps that farmers can take to reduce them. The purpose of this paper is to give you an update on where we're at right now with these signpost farms and the progress they have made in technology adoption and what's actually driving the emissions on these farms. I just want to acknowledge Tom Dwyer, who's a co-author to this paper. Before I get into the details of the cattle um, farms and what's happening on them, I just want to explain for those of you maybe that aren't that familiar with the Signpost Programme first. So the Signpost Programme is a farm sustainability programme led by Chagas, but it's supported by over 60 um, stakeholders in the industry. So that includes the meat processors, milk processors, farm organizations, state bodies, and other uh, media outlets, um, and other independent bodies that are associated with it. And the main purpose of the program is to support and enable farmers to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So while our main focus on greenhouse gases, we're also concentrating on biodiversity, improving biodiversity on farm and improving water quality. And there's a very holistic approach being taken to this program. So it's not just about reduce, improving our environmental sustainability, but also making sure that what any actions we take are positive from an economics point of view but, and also from a social point of view. But the focus of this, this particular presentation is specifically on the actions to reduce um, greenhouse gas emissions. So the program is made up of 125 demonstration farms right across the country, and 35 of those are cattle farms. And these are farmers, demonstration farmers, that are already working very closely with Chagas uh, through the Dairy Beef 500 programme and also the Future Beef programme. So they're already farmers that are in these programmes that are now also part of the, the signpost programme. So they've, they've kind of a dual role. But many of the actions they're taking as part of their individual programmes are reflected in the signpost programme as well, because they're, they're good for the environment and they're good for their, their pocket as well. So of the 35 cattle farmers, what are they actually doing? So these these are the farmers that are the early adopters of the technologies to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So, so they're incorporating the technologies to reduce emissions. So from day one, these farmers would have developed sustainability plans in conjunction with their Chagas advisor and their program advisor to identify what are the actions they're going to take to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So we've taken the technologies out of the research centres and they're being adopted at farm level so that we can see warts and all how they're working, what's working, what's not working, what needs to be adapted at farm level for individual farm situations. And those farmers farmers are then making their farms available to share their experiences about what's working and what's not working and the progress that they are making. And, and that's a really important part of the programme. There's no point in us having demonstration farms if they're not visible in their local area be able to hopefully motivate other farmers to take on the te- these technologies because they can see them working on, on the demonstration farm. And I would encourage all farmers to find out who are the demonstration farmers in their own local area so that they can track their progress and op- hopefully have the confidence then to, uh, to adopt some of these technologies. We're collecting a huge amount of data from these farmers so that we can track the progress on the farm. So that's been done through the National Farm Survey. So similar to the sustainability surveys that you do every every year or 18 months through Bordbia, 
we collect a huge amount of detailed, far more detailed information, but similar types of information, but more detailed so that we can actually calculate the emissions from these farms and track their progress, but also importantly, to track the progress of the technology adoption too. These farmers are also involved in research projects. So there's probably the major one that's happening at the moment is the soil carbon research project, which is looking to try and establish how much, what is the potential to store carbon in our soils on our different management types, different enterprises, different parts of the country. So that's a major project that's happening at the moment. And there's a number of flux towers dotted around the country that's, that's gathering a lot of this information as well as considerable amount of soil sampling. So what are the technologies that that we're asking these signpost farms to or these demonstration farms to to adopt? Back in July of this year, we launched this, the Agriculture Mac. It's the third iteration of the Mac. And this is a complicated looking graph. I'm not going to go through the details of it. But this graph basically outlines the key technologies that we need to take to reduce greenhouse gas emissions to meet our targets 2030 and beyond. But what I've done here is just marked in green, it's a very light green, but I've marked in green the technologies that are specifically relevant to cattle farmers. So liming, so applying lime, reducing the age of finishing or age of slaughter, incorporating clover and multi-species into our, our grassland swords so that we can reduce chemical nitrogen use, reducing crude protein in our diets, a change in formulation type, increased grazing or more, more grazed grass in the diet, and the use of LESS. So they're the key technologies that are on the MAC that are specifically relevant to cattle farms. So there's 16 on this agricultural MAC and there's seven or eight of them that are specifically relevant to beef beef or cattle farmers right now. There are others that will come down the line in, in, in the next few years, such as feed additives and amendments, slurry aeration and amendments to slurry to try and reduce emissions. But all the technologies that are available right now go to the ones that are marked in green. So what I'm going to do for the next, for the remainder of the presentation is look at what the priority actions are and the progress that these signpost farmers are making uh, to, re to reduce reduce emissions. So priority action number one is to use protected urea. Protected urea is probably one of the lowest hanging fruits that we have available to us to reduce emissions on farm. It's probably one of the easier ones to incorporate into any system because it is just a, a switch in fertilizer to the fertilizer type. The, the signpost cattle farms have made significant progress to improving, increase the proportion of their chemical nitrogen applied as protected urea. So in the baseline year, which is 2021, 19% of the nitrogen was applied as protected urea. In 2022, this had increased to 39%. So it had more than doubled the proportion of nitrogen applied as protected urea. The national average for 2022 was 4%. So the, the, the signpost farmers are way ahead in terms of, of uh, the adoption of this technology. So why are they doing it? We know it will reduce greenhouse gas emissions. We know it will reduce ammonia emissions. It gives the same amount of grass. Is that enough to encourage farmers to do it? The big, big driver here is that it is significantly cheaper than can. So I've just given you an example here. So five ton of can. Um, at 27% um, nitrogen is equivalent to three ton of protected urea. And the cost saving on that five ton versus the three ton is 1250 euro. So it's not just giving you a benefit in terms of, of, of emissions. It's also given a significant benefit in terms of the cost saving for farmers. And, and we would encourage farmers as a priority one to look at using protected urea. The second priority is to reduce our reliance on chemical nitrogen. So when you apply chemical nitrogen or bag nitrogen, 
nitrous oxide is emitted and nitrous oxide is one of the main greenhouse gases that we're trying to reduce. So if you can reduce the amount of chemical nitrogen you're using or have rest, less reliance on it, but then obviously you're going to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. You want to be able to do that without having an impact on productivity. So you want to be able to hold grass growth and output. You don't want to reduce chemical nitrogen and have a negative impact on your output. So there are a number of ways to do that. So if you're going to reduce chemical nitrogen, you ha really need to have these in place to have a significant impact in reducing it. So what are these? They're lime use. So the signpost um, demonstration farmers have increased the amount of lime that they're, 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 they're applying. So tons per hectare on average in 2021, they were putting out half a ton. That's gone up to three quarters of a ton. The average from a national farm survey point of view is, is, is 0.3. Lime releases nitrogen in the soils, increasing its availability, and that will allow you to then reduce chemical nitrogen use. Far, the signpost farmers are making far better use of their slurry than what they maybe might have done in the past. So the slurry is being analysed in the springtime to so that they can establish what the nutrient content is and then target it to where they best best can best use it. It's been, more of it has been applied in the springtime where you're getting more of the nutrient value out of it. And it's been applied using LESS or low emission slurry spreading equipment. So in 2021, 39% of the slurry was applied using LESS. In 2022, this had gone up to 77%. And the National Farm Survey average or the average nat nationally for the country for cattle farms is 33%. So again, the cattle farms are starting to make better use of this slurry. So they are optimizing the value out of it. And again, if you can put it out in the springtime with LESS, you have the potential to reduce nitrogen uh, chemical nitrogen applied. Percentage of farm, obviously incorporation of clover, multi-species sward, whether that be red clover or white clover, all of our signpost farms are, are incorporating these into their, their grassland systems. 82% of the, the signpost cattle farms that did a clover measurement this year um, have, sorry, of the cattle farms that measured clover on the farm, just 82% of the grassland area had some clover in, some level of clover in it. So white clover, I suppose, is, is predominant, but there's been good progress made with using both red clover and multi-species also on these farms. And again, by using clover, multi-species, red clover, white clover, you have the potential to pull back um, chemical nitrogen use. So the, the cattle farmers are incorporating all of these technologies so that they can reduce their chemical nitrogen. And as you can see from the bottom line there, in 2021, they were applying 115 kilos of chemical nitrogen per hectare. And this has been reduced by 15% in 2022. The average nationally is 44 kilos. So they are well ahead in terms of the amount of nitrogen they're actually using because they tend to be larger farms or sorry, they're more intensive in terms of their output. So they are ahead, but there is still scope to further reduce that and refine it. And I suppose what they're do really doing with the technology at the moment is putting in the building blocks so that it will allow them to further reduce them in future. I think it's interesting to look at the blend of nitrogen fertilizers used. So um, in 2021, 65% of the nitrogen was applied as can and other compounds. Okay, in 2022, this had reduced uh, to 40%. And that's positive from a greenhouse gas point of view. If you're moving away from can, reducing greenhouse gas emissions. There was an increase in the amount of straight urea use. So it had gone from 16 to 21% or a 5% increase in, in straight urea. No real impact um, or sorry, a significant impact on, on increasing ammonia emissions. So if you go to straight urea, 
there's an increase in ammonia emissions. Um, and then the bottom line is the protected urea. Protected urea went from 19 to 39%, and that's a win-win. It reduces greenhouse gas emissions and also increases ammonia emissions. So for anybody maybe that switched from can to straight to straight urea, you are going to see an increase in, in, in ammonia emissions. And that's what we don't want to see because we have an, a target to reduce both of them. So by using protected urea, you're, not, you're, you're dropping both, both greenhouse gas emissions and ammonia emissions. The third priority area on the, particularly, I suppose, on the future beef farmers is to improve, improve breeding, breeding performance. Breeding performance on cattle farms isn't specifically mentioned as a metric on the MAC. However, by improving breeding performance, we're reducing the emissions that are associated with the cow or, 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 uh, yes, reducing emissions with the cow. So what are the, the metrics that we're looking at here? We're looking at improving replacement index. So making sure that the next generation of animals that are coming into the herd have an improved, um, have improved genetic merit. Um, we're looking at cows per cow or calves per cow per year and the percentage of heifers that are calving down between 22 and 26 months. We know that if an animal is calving down at 24 months versus 28 months, well, that's four months of a difference. That's four months of emissions associated with that animal uh, when it's been unproductive. And that, that's, that includes methane emissions and all the other emissions that are associated with that animal. So what kind of progress are these, these farmers making? So replace, in terms of replacement index in 2021, their average was 106. And I think that's considerably higher than the national average, about 87. So they've, they've improved that by, by six euro in 2022. And that's the target here is to increase, increase that by five euro per year. In terms of calves per cow per year, they're already performing very well. I think the national average here is about 0.88, 0.89. So they're already performing very well. And the target here is 0.95. In terms of the heifers calved between 22 and 26 months, the average nationally is 23 or 4%. And you really want to get all your animals in that, 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 that category. And we have seen an improvement, a slight improvement here on these, but it's, sorry, from 59 to 62.6%. That's going to take time. That's it. what the, a lot of these farmers are doing right now is, is implementing the building blocks to be able to do that, to be able to pull back those those with those ages. So they are calving ideally at 24 months. And that's about around uh, breeding. It's around management, it's about grassland management, health, so that you have them at target weights at breeding. So they are calving down at 24 months. The priority action number four is to reduce age of slaughter. And this is one of the priority actions on the MAC curve. So when you look at the MAC curve, I suppose there's four key actions and, and reducing age of slaughter or age of finishing is one of those key actions. So reducing age of slaughter, reducing the amount of, of chemical nitrogen we use, switching to protected jury and diversification. They're the top four. And this this is one of them. And again, no, no, no difference to, to reducing age at first carbon. This is about putting in place the building blocks to be able to do that. So that's breeding or genetics. So using the commercial beef value where particularly where uh, to identify the animals that are genetically superior that will perform better, that will give the carcass weight and give the carcass, carcass confirmation. It's about good grassland management and making sure that grassland management standards are, are, are optimized. To, to achieve high growth rates and achieve them max, to maximize growth from grazed grass. Health obviously is important from an early, very early age and having a good herd, herd, herd health plan in place and making high quality silage so that animals are performing 
through the through the winter periods, particularly that first winter, that you're not getting poor performance. So it's a combination of all the, these things that will contribute to reducing an aged slaughter. So how are the, cat, the signpost cattle farms doing in this perspective? Um, they are performing very well anyway. So they are far superior to maybe where the national averages are. So in terms of young bulls, uh, both in 2021 and 2022, you're about 16.4 to 16.6 months at finished at finished age, uh, compared to 19.1 nationally. Steers 24, roughly about 24 months nationally, 20 26.8, and heifers these have declined somewhat from uh 23.3 down to by by one and a half months. And nationally, they're at 25.6. So the signpost cattle farms are doing exceptionally well. There is still progress to be made here. Uh, these are just the averages, and there obviously there are there are variations around around the average. But it is important to say that from a demonstration point of view, it's very valuable for other farmers to look and see what are these farmers doing. How are they? How are they using the commercial beef value? What kind of grassland management strategies have they in place? What kind of a herd head plan have they in place? How are they making sure that their silage quality is good? So by by identifying the, the local signpost demonstration or the demonstration farmer in your area, it will give you the opportunity to try and identify where you can maybe learn from those and identify um, changes you can make to your own farm. So what is the total impact on on from all those actions in terms of the emissions on these farms. So total, we're looking at this at, at three different levels. We're looking at the total emissions for the farm. We're looking at the emissions per hectare and the emissions, sorry, per per kilo, sorry, the, the notes and that are wrong, per kilo of live weight. So the total emissions on these cattle farms is, is 370 tonnes of CO2 equivalent, equivalent per farm. So basically what that, what, how we calculate that is we gather together all the emissions from the farm, whether that be from the animal in terms of methane, the emissions from slurry, the emissions from chemical fertilizer, uh, uh, the emissions from gra graze, grazing system rather than indoor system. And basically we have a computer, computer program that will calculate the total emissions for the farm. So for these cattle farms, it's 370 tons per farm. Their emissions per hectare farmed is 6.75. The average nationally is 4.4 tonnes of CO2 equivalent per, per hectare. These farmers will be operating at a higher intensity level, therefore their emissions per hectare um, are higher. And then their emissions per kilo of live weight, so that's basically taking the, the, the total emissions and dividing that by the amount of kilos of live weight they're producing, and that's 8.5 kilos, sorry, that, that's incorrect, 8.5 kilos of live weight per kilo of, of live weight produced. And that's substantially lower than what, what the emissions, um, nationally are as reported by the National Farm Survey. Nationally, it's 9.4 kilos of CO2 equivalent per kilo, per kilo of live weight. So these farms are, are operating at very high level efficiency. Um, and, and that's why that's been reflected the in the emissions per kilo, um, of live weight with them. So what's actually driving changes emissions on on these farms. So we've identified, we pulled out three particular actions that are taken and looked at the impact of, of those on emissions. So they've reduced their chemical nitrogen use. So they've dropped chemical nitrogen use by 15%. And the impact of that, of that on average on these farms is to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions by 2.2% of total, total emissions. So that's, that's positive. They're reducing chemical nitrogen use and it's having the impact of reducing their greenhouse gas emissions. 
the, you, you will have no, remembered that back uh, when I was talking about reducing chemical nitrogen, one of the things they're doing is increasing their lime use so that nitrogen can be released in the soil, therefore they can reduce their chemical nitrogen use. So that's gone point, from 0.5 to 0.75 tonnes per hectare. The impact of, of applying lime in the year that is applied is, is that it increases greenhouse gas emissions. So in this case, on average, it's increasing it by 1.6% in total across these farms. That's only in the year that the lime is applied because it is calcium carbonate. And once you apply it on land, you're going to get a certain amount of carbon that comes off that. But the overall benefit of lime far outweighs this GHG or greenhouse gas cost in it in the year that it's applied. So by by putting in the foundations, applying the lime, adjusting the soil pH to be able to 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 further down the line, reduce chemical nitrogen. So even though it's a cost in this year, the benefits next year and the year after and the year after will be in the opposite direction because we'll be able to further reduce nitrogen because of that lime applied and because of the adjustment in soil pH. And it's probably a, a, no sim, no difference to protected urea. It's probably one of the more simpler ones that we can we can incorporate. Sorry, I should have said the change in, in nitrogen use also in, incorporates the, the increase in, in protected urea use. We have seen a slight increase in livestock numbers, quite small, um, and that obviously, so any increase in livestock numbers will increase um, greenhouse gas emissions. So greenhouse gas emissions, over 60, 62 or 3% of it is, is down to livestock. So if you have got any small bit of an increase in numbers, that can have a negative effect in terms of increase in emissions. So they're the main drivers right now. So um, protected urea and, and reducing chemical nitrogen, the change in lime and a slight change in, 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 in emissions. And these are the figures that I've already presented for you. So overall, very little change, but it is only one year's data with the baseline year 2021 and 2022. And really a lot of these farmers are putting in place the foundations or the building blocks to be able to make further pro progress to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So what are the next step steps for these farmers? So all farmers are furnished with a sustainability survey or a report for their farm, a very detailed report that gives them a full breakdown of their greenhouse gas emissions and where the, those emissions are coming from. So each farmer with their with their program advisor and their local advisor will review this report to identify where where further action needs to be take, taken. So what where where do they go next? Obviously, protected urea. There's potential to increase that on these farms. There is further potential to reduce um, nitrogen use. And likewise, in breeding and aged slaughter, there is further potential. So it's to optimize, really, I suppose, the next step for them is to optimize the use of the technologies that are available to them. I mentioned when I was talking about MAC that there's technologies that are coming along the way in the next short while. So feed additives and I suppose slurry additives as well. And the hope is that when these technologies become available, that they too will be incorporated or used on these farms, again, to demonstrate and to share their experiences of them. Say, for example, the, the, the feed additives one, feed additives are being deployed onto dairy, um, to, to dry cows this winter to test them on, on, on dairy farms. And the hope is that down the line, similar, similar will happen on, on cattle farms. We will continue to demonstrate and share the stories. Like demonstration farmers are only as useful as how familiar local farmers in their area are with what's happening in those farms. So, we will continue to demonstrate and share and encourage farmers to visit these farms so that they can see what these farmers are doing and hopefully then to have the confidence to adopt these technologies. And then finally, to integrate into other areas. So our main focus is on the agricultural MAC and adopting these technologies, but there's other things that we need to consider. So biodiversity on these farms, the water quality, 
the potential for forestry on these farms or the the, the, the potential for diversification um, into other areas. So it's about integrating all of these so that, that we can support these farmers to farm more sustainably. In summary then, so progress has been made has been made in adopting the MAC measures across all the cattle farms. The signpost cattle farms have lower carbon front footprint than reported for the average Irish farm showing what's possible for all farmers. So there has been progress, but there is significant progress yet to be made on these farms. And I think it's very encouraging that the carbon footprint on these farmers is 10% lower than the national average because it does show the potential for other farmers to reduce their carbon emissions and the carbon footprint on their farmers on their farms. We would encourage all farmers to take a look at their own farm and try and identify two or three key actions that can take on their own farm to, to reduce greenhouse gas emissions in 2024. That's all for this week's episode and further details of the presentations and proceedings from the Chagas National Beef Conference can be found on the Chagas website and the link is in the podcast text. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie or you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our Beef programme, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan and thanks for listening.